Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to the Drivers Meeting Podcast presented by Bet Online. Football is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football needs this season. And you'll find the latest odds, matchup info, and player news and game trends all at Bet Online. It's your continued source for all spates wagering info. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. So make sure to head on to betonlineag.com to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BLEAVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, BLEAVE, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. So ladies and gentlemen, the playoffs have started and they're well into effect for NASCAR as we are just halfway or I should say 66 point whatever percent of the way through through the second round the round of 12 we had just wrapped up Talladega which a lot of people would expect to be the most wildest race of the playoffs but it was actually quite the opposite and I kind of expected this before the race I was sitting here thinking man I feel like Talladega is going to be the most the most predictable race of the playoffs because I feel like we we just had an idea of how that race was going to go and because of how unpredictable this entire playoffs have been. I mean, this was the first race that finally had a winner that was actually currently in the playoffs as we started the year with Eric Jones winning at Darlington. Um, and then we had Bubba Wallace win at Kansas. We had Chris Buescher win at Bristol. Tyler Reddick won at Texas. Tyler Reddick wasn't currently in the playoffs as he was just eliminated. But now finally at Talladega, we have a playoff driver win, and that was Chase Elliott. So Talladega, a very... Eventful, uneventful race. It depends how you look at it. I think it was very eventful because there was a lot of great racing going on involved. Um, I, I'm sure it had a lot of people at the end, edge of their seats. It had a lot of people on the edge of their seats wondering when a wreck was going to happen, but it didn't. And I really appreciate that. You know, it's nice. Um, it kind of reminds me about our, uh, one of the races we had back in 2020 uh, during right the beginning of the pandemic, the first Talladega race of the season. There weren't really any big crashes, but there was a lot of dicey racing where a lot of people thought that race was a lot of fun so i think the same way about the race that we just saw at talladega chase elliott gets the win ryan blaney just coming up so close in second place he's still looking for that first win of the season but i obviously think he's someone that can go very deep into the playoffs but talladega really fun race really dicey racing obviously it did have one crash uh, i believe that was either in stage one or stage two i can't really quite remember but it was a decent like five six car incident that didn't really take anybody out of contention um didn't take anybody fully out of the race i don't think or no it did uh harrison burton was out of the race and ty gibbs was out of the race um, because of that then daniel hemrick had an electrical electrical failure that resulted him in a 34th place finish and Corey lejoy had a blown tire that resulted him in a 35th place finish so he had 33 cars running at the end of the event so i think is really great for the sport and great for the race so we didn't have any complete breakfast like we did at daytona and when we think about daytona i mean the majority of the field was left until we decided to send them into turn one in the middle of a rainstorm so obviously when that happened that was not good uh you could say the same thing about xfinity which we'll talk about here soon uh, all 38 cars were running at the end of that race i think that is awesome and i think that was also another really fun race to watch so uh we'll get to that more in uh soon 
But as on the Cubs side, man, the playoffs are now approaching the cutoff race coming into the Charlotte Roval. You have Austin Sindrick, who is tied on the cut line with Chase Briscoe. You have William Byron, who's minus 11 back, who could be above the cut line right now if he wasn't penalized at Texas. They are appealing that on Thursday. Does that get, does that get overturned? Highly doubt it, but they are appealing it. Christopher Bell, 33 points back at the cut line, a guy that we thought was going to be a championship favorite. Unfortunately, hasn't had the luck here uh, so far in this wild second round. And, you know, kind of like I was saying, it, the champion or the final four is just going to be something that is going to be totally unpredictable. You're not even going to feel like, I feel like the champion that wins this year, you're not even going to feel like, oh man, they didn't really dominate this season. I feel like that's just how it's going to go because this year has been so weird. All the mechanical failures, tire failures, like it's just... It's almost it's not a throwaway year because it's been a crazy year uh, for the sport in all aspects, but it's just going to feel really weird seeing whoever lifts that championship trophy at the end of the season lift that championship trophy. Um, and then you have Alex Bowman, who did not race at Talladega due to concussion-like symptoms. We'll get to a lot of the safety stuff regarding the next-gen car here soon. He is kind of 54 points back, kind of in a must-win situation at the Roval if he does compete at the Roval, which is the expectation according to Rick Hendricks. So we will see if he does. But as far as guys that are pretty safe going into this final race, obviously Ryan Blaney is plus 32. Uh, has had a great start to the round of 12 so far. Ross Chastain with a third-place finish at Talladega. I think it was third. It might have been fourth uh, Talladega. He is plus 28 above the cut, looking great for the round of eight. Same with Denny Hamlin, plus 21. Guys that are all probably going to be contenders at the Charlotte Roval. And then you guys kind of kind of have the guys in the bubble here. Kyle Larson, plus 18. Joey Logano, plus 18. Daniel Suarez, plus 12. And then, as we noted, Chase Briscoe is tied with Austin Sindrick for that final spot. And I think this is a great place for Austin Sindrick to be in. I mean, we did not expect him to go far. I, I will be honest, I had him out of my, my first round. Not anything towards him. I just didn't think that team was where they needed to be at the moment. But... We know Austin Sindrick is a great race car driver. We know the number two team has a lot of experience making it this far into the playoffs. And so here they are tied for the final spot in the round of eight going into the Charlotte Roval, a place where Austin Sindrick obviously is very good, a very good road racer, road course driver, we should say. And I think he's in a great spot going into this final cutoff race. So there's kind of the, the stage for the Cup Series cars. Now let's convert over to the Xfinity Series. They're going to be doing the same thing here going into the Roval. They have a cutoff race cutting off to the round of eight. Uh, you have Ryan Sieg, who is plus six above the cut line right now after a great race at Talladega. Solid race before that as well at Texas. Now he's plus six above the cut. And a car that has a lot of power under the hood, obviously, with their SHR alliance and their forward uh, backing. Then you have Daniel Hemrick, who is six back of the cut line right there, who's had a struggle of a year, but looking hopefully to rebound here at Charlotte Roval. Could be a first-round exit. We don't know. Um, obviously, his colleague, one of his colleague teammates, Landon Castle, isn't even in the playoffs. So Riley Herbst, 10 back, a guy we thought who has uh, been very consistent this year. Fortunately, hasn't had the start to the round that he's wanted. He's 10 back. Brandon Jones, 10 back as well. A lot of people thought he'd be a championship favorite. But the thing is, so much competition in this Xfinity Series lineup this year that we're going to see people that eliminated out of the first round that you thought could go all the way. So, And then Jeremy Clemens uh, is likely going to be in a must-win situation at the Charlotte Roval. 47 back, obviously did not have a good race at Texas. Uh, I think a mechanical failure ended his shot there, and then not what they wanted at Talladega either. So they have a lot of ground to make up there. So A.J. Allmendinger has won. He is locked in. Noah Gregson has won. He is locked in. Um, and so all these guys now fighting for that final cut line spot. Uh, Sam Mayer, who is 12 up on the cut line. Uh, Justin Allgaier, 25 up on the cut line. So all those guys kind of seeing and waiting 
uh, to see if they make it at the Charlotte Roval. I think, obviously, guys like that have a good chance. Josh Berry, I don't think, has raced at the Charlotte Roval. He's 27 up. Um, but with the speed in those junior motorsports cars, I feel like you can have a solid race. But we're looking at an entry list kind of uh, for Charlotte Roval that's going to be stacked. Once again, it's a road course of the Xfinity Series. So there's going to be guys that are running full-time for top you know, teams that are could be running back in the mid-20s because of the competition we're going to see this weekend in the Xfinity Series. So I think that uh, will have room to shake up the Xfinity Series field. I mean, you have Danny, Dan, uh, Danny DK, uh, Kvyat running in the 26 for Sam Hunt Racing. Um, and then you have Marco Andretti in the 48 for Big Machine. So those are just two big names competing out of all the names that will be competing this weekend once the entry list is fully released. Um, uh, so it's going to be a wild weekend of Roval Racing for Cup and Xfinity. Obviously, the Truck Series taking a few weeks off. Um, and then they have their final cutoff race um, for the Final Four, October 22nd at Homestead Miami Speedway. Um, so you'll have their break there, and they just had their Talladega race where Matt Benedetto won the race um, in a wild Truck Series, Truck Series-esque finish that saw uh, a lot of things happen at the end of that race, a lot of carnage. We've seen that in the Truck Series a lot before, um, but we'll get to the Truck Series a little later. So now we can kind of convert ourselves over to a topic that has been highly talked about across the NASCAR Cup Series of this next-gen race car, and that would be safety issues. So safety... It's a big thing, sports-wide. We've seen it in the football world recently with concussions, and now we have seen it in the NASCAR world recently with concussions. And concussions, I think, are something that in sports you cannot take lightly. And that's kind of what I want to start off with here is a lot of people are talking about this and that as far as safety issues. Is it a big deal? Is it not? Do we need to change it now? Should we wait till the end of the season? I don't think concussions in any sport should be taken lightly at all. I think that is the probably the heaviest thing that should be taken seriously because that is the brain the head we've seen what can happen with concussions in football and concussions in anything it can mess you up for life and i don't think those are anything that should be taken lightly so if this is something that can be prevented or could have been prevented at the beginning of the season uh, as we've heard from outspoken drivers like denny hamlin like kevin harvick who's who have said how this was concerned at the beginning of the year this was a concern for brian newman last november the final weekend of the season when they were asking him about the Cup Series car, and he said he didn't feel safe getting in the car um, because he didn't know what the safety aspects of it was, and he had only heard some bad things from it being inside the sport. And I guess that wasn't taken very heavily by the sport uh, or by anyone. Um, but I always kind of reflect back to that comment he made back in November, the final weekend, saying a guy with an engineering degree, Ryan Newman, who has been through everything in this sport, saying he didn't feel safe climbing into that next-gen car. Um, and I think it's crazy when we talk about Ryan Newman, a guy who's flipped in other cars, you know, driven into catch fences, upside down, flipping over. Obviously a scary, scary Daytona 500 crash. Um, and, you know, thankfully made it out there alive. Um, the way that wreck happened. Um, and now you got guys getting concussions from backing into the wall. Um, so, which I think is very, very unacceptable with this race car. And what they did with it, um, obviously I'm not an engineering guy. I'm, I don't race the cars, nor do I work on them. But just from an outsider or insider perspective, you know, when they made these cars, the big thing was, all right, we're going to make these cars so they can take hits or they can take damage lighter right so they can hit the wall but the car won't take as much damage um 
and the teams will be able to repair them and get that back onto the racetrack, which, number one, I think is weird anyways because of the DVP clock, which they have extended to 10 minutes from the six minutes, I believe it was before. Um, so when they made that move, it didn't really make sense because it's like, all right, well, if we're able to repair the car a little bit quicker, I mean, we still have the six-minute clock that's going to send us to the garage anyways. What's the point? Um, now they extend it to 10 minutes, which even still is kind of just weird. Um, but they make a car that can take damage easier, but, right, they're still hitting the wall at the same impact, right? So what changed? Where does all the energy go when you hit the wall? Well, if it's not going to the car, it's going to the driver. Um, and the biggest thing has been the rear clips that everyone's talking about, the rear of the car, because obviously Alex Bowman literally just spinning out and touching the wall at Texas, the back of the car, said that's the hardest hit he's ever taken. Martin Jerks Jr. said it hurt when he hit the wall. Kevin Harvick said it hurt when he hit the wall. And we're talking about a series that now is having more tire failures than ever. A lot of things are wrong with this car. Mechanical issues at Bristol, tire issues everywhere else. Um, you have a series that's bent on stages, stage racing, throwing cautions that aren't needed so we can stack up the field and have a bigger chance for crashes um, and all of that much. So... Obviously, it's uh, in a sport where we've kind of based ourselves around having more crashes, having more incidents, having more pack racing, and now we have a car that is apparently more unsafe than a car we ran 15 years ago. Um, it's a pretty odd predicament that the sport has put itself in. And this was something on the show that me and Tommy Joe talked about, kind of just sarcastically um, in a way, saying, man, well, we don't need to spend all this money and time making this next-gen car and having all this unpredictability. Let's just run the Xfinity Series car that has the Cup Series car. Um, and that's something that's actually been brought up as a true uh, thought recently. I mean, that you feel like it would be it's, it's the perfect stock car, I feel like, that's being run right now. And obviously, um, I love the Xfinity Series more than, more than you know, 95% of the world. But I think it's a perfect stock car. It's a perfect car to be run. I mean, I see. I think it would be really cool to see it run as a cup car, but obviously it's unrealistic. Um, I don't even know if NASCAR consider that at all, and, and they're really um, full scent on their next-gen race car. And like Andy, Andy Petrie did say in a media call that there are discussions being uh, talked about in NASCAR about improving this race car. Um, but then he added a comment at the end, says, I don't know if the drivers know about it or blah, blah, blah. And that's kind of where the drivers are pissed off because they're the ones driving these race cars. There's the ones putting their life and health on the line each week. And if they're not in these conversations or even in their con in these conversations, but their opinions aren't taken as heavy as they would want it to be, um, then they're going to get upset. And that's where Denny Hamlin's frustration is in Kevin Harvick's frustration is in, um, especially as older drivers, but worrying about the younger drivers who don't want their future affected by, uh, a simple crash at Texas Motor Speedway, a track that should be blown up anyways, but uh, it's still there. Because um, that race at Texas, I mean, we saw the epitome of an awful track um, and an incomplete race car, um, tire issues, mechanical issues, um, all of that kind of culminate into a race that just ended up being very unfortunate, very messy. Um, we saw a big... We saw a few, few decently sized crashes. We saw single car crashes, cars wrecking from the lead. And that's kind of one of the points that I made at the beginning of the show, saying that when we see the champion hold up championship at Phoenix, I mean, it's going to be 
it's gonna feel weird. I don't. Th- I think no matter who it is, um, it's gonna feel very weird. It's not gonna feel right at first. It's gonna take some time to get used to because this year has been so odd. I mean, we're seeing a realistic scenario where we go to the championship four and the slowest car out of the championship four can win the race because the top three blew tires or had a mechanical failure. Like that is how unpredictable this year is. And I think it's stupid. Honestly, I think it is very, very stupid that we are having these issues with this race car. Um, that I feel like had so much time to be prepared. Right. And this was something that I feel like I talked about a lot last year that I was excited about because when they were supposed to put this car out in 2021, they canceled it, right? Cause of COVID and they, they put it back. They said, we need another year to work on this car with COVID, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that's great actually, because I even felt like last year they didn't have enough time. They were moving it too slow and they were not ready to put this car out for the next year. So they delay it a year. And I'm like, that's perfect. That gives them way more than enough time to get this car ready for 2022, right? And we were totally wrong. Uh, It's still a year later, looked like just about as a mess as it would have been a year before getting this car ready for the 2022 season. And we've gone into a year where even at the beginning of the year, at uh, the race, the first Kansas race we had of the season, which was probably one of the first biggest races we had with a ton of tire failures, um, and we were like, all right, you know, we took it because it was an interesting race, right? It, it was some race that it happened like once, it almost seemed like a once in a lifetime race that had so many tire failures, so many unpredictable issues. It was like, wow, that was actually a decent race because it had me on the edge of my, something we'd never seen before. That's crazy. But one of the things I noted after that race is I was like, this better not be something that happens during the season. Like number one happens again, but happens on a normal basis um because it's just unacceptable in a series where you know we're having the best drivers compete against each other but being held back by mechanical failures on cars that are built by nascar or cars that where the parts are made by nascar i should say um and the teams are upset by these results i mean we go into texas and you know if i can go back through and pull the results up here yeah tyler reddick won that race he had a solid car Right, he was definitely top five race car in the race, I would say. But you have um, Christopher Bell, who had an issue during that race. Chase Elliott had an issue during that race, who led. Martin Truex Jr. had an issue during that race, who led laps. Uh, Alex Bowman was running right around the top five uh, spins out. I don't know if that was a tire issue or not, but he still did spin out. Um, you had Kevin Harvick, who was leading, blow tire crash. Um, so you have all these issues. I think there were a few other guys in the race that had blown tires as well, um, that have issues and you take, I mean, you could have five of the fastest cars in the race all wipe out because of mechanical or tire issues. I mean, Bristol was the same way. I mean, Chris Busher, yeah, Chris Busher had a fast car, but you know, there's some of the reasons that we've seen so many different winners this season is because we have seen such a mess of races that, you know, Usually you see at at usually you see at Daytona or Talladega, but now we have seen at every other track on the circuit, which you know has been great for this year. I get it; it's unpredictable. It's been a fun year in the Cup Series. I still have enjoyed the Xfinity Series uh, racing a lot more because it's you know it has been more. T- That's how I look at the weekends now. Like I tune in a truck race, I know it's going to be absolute chaos. I know probably seventy five percent of the field is going to end up wadded up or something. 
um, <laughs> in the race. Uh, Xfinity series, you know, sometimes they wad up the field too, um, which happens. Um, but a lot of the racing is good. Close racing, the field very dynamic. Great to follow the stories throughout the year in uh, the race. Uh, and then the Cup Series for me is just the, the unpredictable fun race of the weekend. Tune in on Sundays because, yeah, it's, it's, it's a serious race. Going for all the marbles, it's the pinnacle of NASCAR. Obviously, it is the Cup Series. But it's basically almost every race just seems like something unpredictable. You don't know what's going to happen. Uh, and we've seen, we've seen definitely a lot of cup races this year that have had pretty solid racing, but a lot of the racing product has been made by these issues, which I think is still very, very stupid because if these, if this is the reason that we are saying some of these races were good races, um, then that's just ridiculous. Cause in my opinion, Bristol was one of the worst races of the season. Bristol was awful. The Bristol racing product was absolutely disastrous. Um, there was no battles on the racetrack. There was nothing going on. Um, these next-gen cars on short tracks are just absolutely atrocious because of the dirty air. Like, drivers have explained it, and I've kind of just listened to them, and that's kind of what I've gotten. I've got guys like Kyle Larson and other people have said the dirty air is just not good. You're going way too fast through the corners, um, and the car is just, at the moment, not fit for short track racing, and the short track racing is pretty awful. So the Bristol racing was disastrous. It was terrible. And the only thing that made that race somewhat interesting for some people to sit on the edge of their seat and watch was these dumb mechanical failures. Blown tires, um, uh, issues for the Fords, mechanical failures for Toyotas, even Chevys, everyone. I mean, it wasn't even manuf totally manufacturer-based. It was everybody in the race having some sort of issue that just made this race absolutely like ridiculous to watch. Um, uh, it was pretty unfortunate. So... Somehow, that race, I don't know what the, the, the Jeff Gluck poll was on the race at the end of the day. Um, but hopefully it wasn't too good because I can't remember it off the top of my head. But that race was absolutely atrocious. We know Martinsville at the beginning of the year was pretty atrocious as well. Um, and that is the only short track left on the schedule is Martinsville. Um, the road course races this year for Cup have been okay, uh, I would say. Um, they've been all right. Um, road America wasn't that great of a race. Um could it be the package also that we have for this series? I, th I think one big thing that me and Tommy Joe talked about last year was that now we are making these cars that are more easy to drive in the road courses, right? All the drivers that were testing were like, wow, this drive, this car is a lot better brakes in the road course. It's not going to slip and slide around as much. Um, and when we have that, you know, it does take away kind of what made NASCAR and road courses special was fighting, driving a car that's not meant to drive in the road courses, um, that was fun, hard to drive. Um, and so, you know, thankfully we still get that with the Xfinity series, but uh, unfortunately the cup series, we don't get that. So that's what I've seen kind of the change of the road courses be. Now we go to Charlotte Roval, which I think is just its own beast, right? I think every race in the Charlotte Roval that has ever been run in history has been interesting in some way. Of course, being the playoff cutoff race as well has made it a lot more interesting, but it's it's always so fun to see how, how a race at the Charlotte Roval plays out because it's just pretty – it's always pretty interesting. And then we go to a final round, which I think looks pretty solid. We got Las Vegas coming up, mile and a half. was, uh, I think, a pretty decent race at the beginning of the year. Then you have Homestead, which I think is going to be a big test for this next-gen car because Homestead is almost a track that it feels like hasn't really disappointed much uh, despite the package. So we'll see how that race ends up, and then Martinsville, obviously, to finish out the round. But what but what big thing sticks out to me here in the final round is we're going in the round of eight where, right, I think the two biggest, the two biggest issues this year 
with this next-gen car have been the mile-and-a-halves. We've seen a ton of tire issues, mechanical issues on a lot of these mile-and-a-half racetracks that have just put these races up in jeopardy and just made them drunk races, as a lot of people like to say. And then we finished the round out with a short track, which a lot of people would say that Martinsville was one of the worst races of the year earlier this year. You cannot pass. Qualifying was probably the most important thing. So we go into a round of eight, a round where we are deciding the champion. Um, we are deciding the four people that will go to compete for a championship at Phoenix Raceway. And I think it's just, I mean, it has the blueprint to be a super chaotic round. We hope it's not. We hope it's normal. We hope we get four people in the championship four that are the most deserved and qualified to be there. Um, but unfortunately, the unfortunate reality is that might not be the reality. Um, so as far as the Xfinity series, it looks like a really fun round. I mean, Xfinity at Vegas is always uh, pretty fun. Xfinity at Homestead is always great. That never disappoints. Um, and then Xfinity at Martinsville should be a really, really fun race to watch as well because they, they did run Martinsville at the beginning of this year, which we saw an incredible finish and in the, the fight of the year so far in the Xfinity series, the brawl between Ty Gibbs and Sam Mayer. Uh, so that round should be fun. But in the Cup Series, that's just the fear. That's just the fear is that we're going to see. We're coming down. It's supposed to be the pinnacle of stock car racing. And this year has just been absolutely unpredictable. And you know damn well. You know you know in life in general that, you know, the big saying is life. You don't always get what you, what you deserve, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it is unfortunate seeing this in so many races this year. Just issues out of people's control preventing them from winning races or even just finishing. I mean, we've seen these mechanical issues. It doesn't just take someone from first to fifth place. It takes them from first to 31st. Um, and I think that is, is un, unacceptable. So hopefully we see some better product on the track with this next-gen car next year. Obviously, we're coming, to, we're coming to the last five races of the season. So obviously NASCAR – this whole year hasn't been imminent on making safety changes. They're obviously waiting towards the end of the year, um, which in a way is pretty unfortunate um, because, you know, the safety of the driver should be should be first. Um, and unfortunately, that is not the reality in NASCAR at the moment. It doesn't seem like, or at least that's what the drivers believe, um, is that the safety is not being taken first. So... We'll see what happens next year, what changes are made, because we know there are going to be drastic changes, but NASCAR drivers feel like they're being made too late. Um, and also, I think drivers know that they need to get active in the media to make these changes, right? Kevin Harvick went and had his interview in, uh, after Darlington, after his car just randomly caught in fire. You know, one of the factors that probably kept him out of the next round. Uh, once again, a NASCAR decision. Um, and saying these crappy, crappy parts... Uh, kept me out of uh, a great finish at Darlington, um, you know, blasted the leadership, blasted the parts, and boom, changes were made the next week um, to the car to reduce that probability of there being a random fire in the race car, uh, being a safety hazard to the drivers, because uh, that was the thing. It wasn't only just a uh, safety hazard to the drivers, but it's a, um, you know, something that ruins his race, ruins his race. Uh, so that was fortunate to see change there. So I think that's why drivers are now okay with being more vocal because they know if they get more vocal, maybe that's the only way that NASCAR will change them if they are vocal to the media and NASCAR doesn't want that media um, presence bashing them. Um, so that's the unfortunate reality, it seems like. That's the only way that they can get their points across. So 
you know, we'll see how that pans out here in the future. But nonetheless, uh, we just got to hope that there are no more concussion injuries, no more head injuries the rest of the year. I mean, that was a real concern going to Talladega. I mean, this has been the week where I think safety has been talked about definitely at least the most or second most um, of the next-gen car. And then we go into Talladega. We're like, oh, great, here we go. Um, and thankfully, there were no big crashes um, in that race. But like we said, it, every week, apparently, it's a fear now because, right, we saw two concussions at Pocono and Texas and races uh, where the driver just backed into the wall. And it is also probably cumulative, cumulative this season for hits that drivers have taken, right? Drivers have already said they're in pain from hits they've taken this year. And then at one point, is it too much? At what point does it go over the limit? Um, and then the driver is... You know, they've just taken too much. Could Like a lot of people said that was, could have been the case with Kurt Busch, taking a lot of hits this year. Alex Bowman could have taken a lot of hits this year as well. I'm not sure. I haven't seen like a compilation of that as I did with Kurt Busch, which really is also pretty sad to see. Um, but we'll see. We will see. But that, that uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that with the next-gen safety. Hopefully that's improved. But, you know, my last comment is it, it's just, I think, unacceptable with what has happened this year in NASCAR as far as the safety, as far as the racing product. Um, and if NASCAR felt like increasing the racing product, increasing the durability of race cars, um, with the expense of driver safety, I think that is a ridiculous, ridiculous move. Um, because the gen six cars, when they ran a high horsepower, um, a high horsepower package, low downforce, it's good racing, good racing. I think we saw the ex literally exact same racing we've seen now a mile and a half, if not better with some of those packages before it's just i think a lot of people were so sick of the 550 package that now we gotta change everyone is just riding its nuts like let's be honest the racing is great i i agree but i think a lot of people have been over exuberant about it saying it's like the best racing ever just because we were treated with probably the worst racing ever with the 550 horsepower package so Dude, was the next-gen car needed in NASCAR? I still think no. I still think um, it was not needed at all. Um, when we talk about a series that's all about cutting costs, hopefully it does over the long term, right? That was the goal of this car is to cut the costs over the long term, not at the beginning, but over long term. So, but we won't know those results until it happens, right? Until we get four or five years down the road with these teams. I mean, charters are more expensive than ever right now. Um for team owners to get in the sport, um, which I think there's still an interest. I think it's at like 30 million that was rejected by a team in the cup series for a charter, um, which I think is unbelievable. Um, but you got drivers outside of racing that we're trying to get to come race in the sport. And if they don't feel safe, why do they want to race here? Right? Why does Daniel Ricardo want to jump in NASCAR? If the main discussion about NASCAR right now is how safe you are, in a race car he doesn't want to he doesn't want to come race that i don't think um you know what it made him recon make him reconsider maybe but we'll see i don't know i think it's just been un unacceptable the way that it was handled um but it's the first year of a race car these aren't the issues that you want in the first year of a race car though right because every because kind of the rebuttal that i see online a lot and this is the last point i'll kind of discuss before we start wrapping it up but the the big rebuttal that i see on the internet is all oh, it's the first year you know we'll uh we'll get over it make some changes at the end of the year 
I think that is a absolutely freaking ridiculous rebuttal because that's some that's something that could be said if the racing was bad, right? If the racing product was trash, like if we're talking about the racing on short tracks, I get that. I get that. We can be like, okay, you know, we'll make some changes at the end of this year. We don't mess anything up now. You know, we get the racing on the short tracks is bad, but it's it's the first year we're learning. We'll make some changes at the end of the year, which has been said. And I'll be like, okay, all right, make some changes at the end of the year. I support that. When we're talking about drivers getting concussed, getting their heads messed up from slightly backing into a wall, and then we're and then the, the response from whether it's people in NASCAR, just random people on the internet, are just like, okay, yeah, we see it. Drivers are getting concussed. We're having injury issues. You know, head problems could could retire Kurt Busch, could end his career. Uh, we'll 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 look at it, and you know, it's the first year. Whoops, we'll make some changes at the end of the year. That is absolutely freaking ridiculous, in my opinion. That is the most stupid rebuttal I've ever seen. Like, like we're talking about, you know, like some, like somebody in the NFL. The NFL is currently making changes. Like, I get, yeah, the the NFL and NASCAR is totally different. Like, I get this is a very vast comparison to make. But we're talking about the reaction of people in the sport, right? The NFL has taken taken this Tua Tagovailoa story by storm, right? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, Tua Tagovailoa uh, took a hit, went down uh, last Sunday in a game. And got back up, was wobbly, falling down, and we're like, oh my god, like something's wrong with his head, right? They take him out of the game, and they put him, he goes back in, and immediately they said it was head stuff. Then they put him back in, like, oh, it was just his back, you know, blah, blah, blah. The NFL automatically was already looking into that. People already thought it was pretty suspicious. And then this Thursday, um, last Thursday, comes in a game five days later, gets tackled, boom, gets stretchered out to the hospital with head injuries. So... The NFL immediately took action. They've already made rule changes. They've already uh, looked at the personnel of the Dolphins. And I get this is very, very different than NASCAR. But I think the reaction there by the league was an example of what the reaction should be by NASCAR. Because there has been no zero public announcement by the league, by the sport, I mean, by people in the sport about these issues. Like no public acknowledgement whatsoever of who is to blame with these injuries, right? Because who is, right? If NASCAR is not taking the blame for it, who is it? Who is it? Like, I'd, I'd love to know. Like, when we see these in, these issues happen in the NBA, in the NFL, in leagues like this, especially with, with safety things, um, I feel like the league usually takes acknowledgement and they make it right away. They put all their marbles into increasing the safety because they don't want something like that to happen again. Because it's damaging to the sport, right? Because it's not only – it's the frustration of, yeah, we need to protect the drivers, but it's also also the confusion. Like, why would NASCAR not be doing anything now? Because I feel like this is publicly hurting the sport. Like, why – like, I feel like that's the last thing you'd want your name in mainstream news to be. Like, oh, these cars are unsafe. Yeah, we're giving people concussions. Like – that is not what I'd want. Like, you'd feel like you'd want them to make the changes now. And it's weird that we're waiting to the end of the season because you can wait to the end of the season to make a change of the racing product, right? And just say, we'll deal with it. We'll ride it out the rest of this year. But with safety, it's weird because you know you're sitting there knowing that all these hits are hurting the drivers. They're hurting Kurt Busch. Could end his career. Could retire. Alex Bowman, hurting Alex Bowman, a young driver in the sport. How's that going to affect him in the future? It's like a ticking time bomb. Like, yeah, we're going to run these last five races of the season knowing 
that this car is still as much of a hazard as it was 20 weeks ago. Still could hurt somebody as much as it did 20 weeks ago. But we're just going to ride it out. We're not going to do anything now because they have had more than enough time. Because we're not just talking about what just happened with Alex Bowman at Texas. We're talking about what Kurt Busch happened at Pocono. We're talking about when drivers were complaining about hits earlier in the season. We're talking about when drivers were complaining about the safety of the car before the year even started. Like, they've had the time. And we've ridden, ridden the whole year out. Not knowing. Just being like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. It's a ticking time bomb. And that's what it felt like at Talladega. You see it now, and now we know. You see the drivers take these hits, and you just hope they're okay, right? Injuries happen in sports, but you do the most you can to prevent these head injuries because I feel like they are a 100 times more important than any other injury you can suffer. You see drivers get sore hands, sore thumbs after a crash because they held onto the wheel. Um, you see drivers have sore feet, sore legs getting in a crash. Um even with this next-gen car, I feel like even that's been worse. But that's okay. Like, well, it's not okay. But it's it's better it's better than a head injury, right? You do is because in the NFL, you know that guys are going to get hit. Guys could break their fingers, you know, right? Fall down wrong on the floor. Guys could hurt their toe, hurt their foot. Guys get injuries, stuff like that, right? But the NFL has done as much as they can to prevent head injuries, prevent concussions. I think last, like they do all these things with the, with the helmets and everything like that and, and hits to protect the players. Where is that in NASCAR, right? Why aren't those changes being made right away? A lot of people have said money. Things that Kevin Harvick was saying in his interview, they said, why don't they fix it? And it says, well, it costs less, it costs less to not fix it at all. Um, so was that true? We're finding out. Um, so we just have to hope and pray that nobody else gets a head injury here in the last five weeks of the season. Um, that is the unfortunate reality. So that's a little rant that I didn't expect to go on here on the show. But that's, like I said, the unfortunate reality here in the NASCAR Cup Series. So we're going into Charlotte Roval this weekend. I think it's going to be a really fun race, um, as it is, as always, in the Charlotte Roval. Uh, road course race in the NASCAR Cup Series, road course race in the Xfinity Series. I think the weather looks fine for this weekend, I believe. So shouldn't be a monsoon rain race like the Xfinity Series was a few years ago, that famous race. So um, regardless, I think we should be fine. Should be a fun weekend. And then the weekend after, uh, we venture over to... Where are we going to kick off? Las Vegas, kicking off the next round, then to Homestead, then to Martinsville, then to Phoenix to wrap up the season. So going to be a lot of fun. So thanks to everybody for tuning into the Drivers Meeting Podcast presented by Bet Online. Good to be back. Hopefully we can put out some more episodes to wrap up this season. Uh, going to be doing some more fun stuff over the off offseason. Um, I'm hopefully to take the show to the next level. I'm hoping to do some more things with this show. There's been a lot of thoughts gone into this. A lot of things have been going on. I've, doing a lot of work uh, that unfortunately hasn't been giving me the benefits that I thought it would at the beginning of this year so hoping to make some changes with that at the end of the year um, and kind of start doing some more stuff looking pursuing some more opportunities and hopefully hoping to do some more big things next year and, and some big things with this show uh, maybe outside the sport of NASCAR as well so we got a lot of ideas there but thanks thanks again for all the loyal listeners of the drivers meeting podcast thanks to everybody for tuning in to my little rant here my little race recap and hopefully like I said we can put out some more episodes to wrap up this season this crazy season of NASCAR so thanks for everybody listening thanks to the believe podcasting network thanks to bet online thanks to everybody we will 
talk to you all next week. To believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube